It takes more than open addressing to be a great software engineer. This is episode 138 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your questions about the non-technical parts of the technical field of software development. And also, I started reading articles about C++ today. And <laughs> I'm in over my head. <laughs> That's what I've decided. Is there is there such a thing as closed addressing? I make a wikipedia article for it and then i'll believe you <laughs> hang on let me change the word open to closed <laughs> and there isn't not according to wikipedia or reality because those are the same <laughs> well i think it's time for you to leave your mark on the world <laughs> i'll just link it to open addressing and say it's the opposite of this i probably shouldn't even make ask. your hash tables really bad and slow <laughs> Do you like collisions? <laughs> if so, closed addressing is for you. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I didn't even know open addressing was a thing until 20 minutes ago. I'd heard the words, but I don't write C++. There, there's just, man, software is so deep. There's just so many. I see these little outcroppings poking up above the ocean of software, and then it's this gigantic iceberg of yeah. depth underneath. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I know one iceberg pretty well, and then... There's a bunch of icebergs I've never even seen the outcropping of, let alone. Yeah, <laughs> they're over the horizon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not what this show's about, though. Not even close. Yeah, let's get into our show. Do you want to talk about our wonderful patrons? I do. Thank you, patrons, for contributing on Patreon. At the level that gets you a shout-out every single week, we have Matthew Wodowicz, The Agile Ventures Charity, Zach Grannon, David Jackson, Nick Cantar, Sean Clayton, and Chris Hogan. Thank you so much. If you'd like to support the show, go to our website, softskills.audio, and click Support Us on Patreon. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, I'm going to read the first question. Hi, Dave and Jameson. Love the show and your advice. There's no podcast quite like yours out there in the audio sphere. Thank you. That's mm -hmm. really nice. I've been doing a really good job lately. I've had feedback from my manager and my manager's manager that I've exceeded expectations and gone above and beyond over the last year. While the compliments are great to hear, I'd like to approach my manager about a raise to go along with it. Do I wait until performance review time in three months and hope that I get what I'm hoping for or bring it up now? How do I approach this conversation without sounding greedy, bragging, and potentially asking for too much, leaving a bad impression when I'm on such a roll? Oh man, this is great. I just love that the question asker is, it's just great to see someone say like, I'm kicking butt. Yeah. I'm doing a really good job and just recognize it openly and honestly. That's cool. Especially when they have actual evidence to support that claim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like someone else told me I'm doing a good job. My manager. <laughs> Hopefully you feel it deep inside too. I'm awesome. I'm just awesome. No evidence yeah. to support that, but deep inside, I feel it. Said no engineer ever. <laughs> <laughs> so... I recently applied this same strategy to Christmas gifts, and I just hoped to get what I was hoping for, and it <laughs> didn't work. Um, <laughs> oh, that is such a good analogy. <laughs> so I think your strategy is clear. Santa, I hope it's not news that he's not real. And someone has to know that you want the things that you want, and it makes it easier for you to get them. So I, I think you got to speak up about it. I don't yep. think it would come across as braggy, especially if you've been publicly recognized as kicking butt um that's that's a way that they can recognize even more and that's you have evidence that shows that you deserve it so yeah yeah totally i i think i kind of feel like this question asker answered their own question when they said do i wait until performance review in three months and hope that i get what i'm hoping for no it is too late by then yeah that, oh yeah you, you can't have an argument or a discussion then like 
that's that's usually people telling you what has already been decided. So and quite frankly, your manager is probably already working on this right now. So I mean, maybe three months out. Does that sound about reasonable? Sure. I mean, it's quite yeah. possible. Not every company is going to do it that far in advance. But you know, I would work on comp adjustments sometimes 12 months in advance because you've got a finance team that needs to know how much you're going to spend next year. And so, you know, you start planning that stuff really early. So um, absolutely get in there and talk to your manager right now. Three months is not too early to start explaining what your expectations are. Yeah. And I think it's important to make clear that you are hoping or expecting that this increased performance leads to financial reward. Mm -hmm. People are motivated by different things. And there are some people that aren't super motivated by money. Like they probably wouldn't say no, but yeah. that's they, they don't feel like that's a core part of their recognition. So, and, and also it's, it's less work and more convenient for the company to not give people <laughs> raises, right? <laughs> like there's some process your manager has to go through and then the company, they want to keep people, but they also want to spend as less, as little amount of money as possible. So mm-hmm. I think if you do nothing, chances are pretty good that nothing will happen, even if you've been kicking butt. Or there's a possibility that nothing will happen. Yeah. And I don't think there's a negative consequence to speaking up and saying, hey, I'd like a raise. What can we do to make that happen? Yeah. And, you know, this is a, this is not too different from negotiating your initial salary when you start at a new company. It is a little different because now this company has a lot of information about you. And they know exactly what you're worth. They know what you're capable of. And they've seen it demonstrated over the course of you know, a long period of time compared to an interview. And they know what it would mean to lose you. So in, in some ways, given your certain situation here, you actually have more leverage and more negotiating power than you did when you started. Yeah. And it, it's unlikely that you're going to ask for less than they were planning on giving you if you go in and, and do that with your manager, because typically raises are a little bit more limited. They have a little little bit less flexibility than initial salaries, especially at a bigger company. Yeah. How do I approach this conversation without sounding greedy, braggy, and potentially asking for too much, leaving a bad impression? I don't think you have to worry about asking or about leaving a bad impression if you're doing really well. Oh, yeah. And if someone calls you greedy for wanting a raise after doing a really good job... (laughs) That feels manipulative manipulative to me, honestly. Like, yeah. you are exchanging your labor for money, and it's not greedy to, to want to be rewarded for the amount of value that you provide. That's not greed at all. It's not like you're taking money out of the pocket of this, uh, of this like, poor, pitiful creature. <laughs> like, it's a company, and they're trying to make money, and they pay people money so that they can make money. It's, it, it doesn't feel greedy. But what if the company's feelings are hurt? Yeah, the company has no feelings. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as feelings. It's companies are, are sociopaths. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. I never thought about that, but you're right. <laughs> How do I do it without sounding greedy? I think you just, uh, I mean, some of it is the advice we always talk about, about getting some data about mm-hmm. market market values and salary and, and being able to say, this is what I want and here's why I think it's reasonable. I think it makes it even less likely that you'll come across as greedy. It's more like, yeah. Here's what people doing contributing at a similar level are making at other companies or other departments or however you figure that out. And braggy, I, this is the time to brag. This is when yeah. it's it's not bragging, it's providing evidence. And if that evidence is all about how awesome you are, then congratulations. 
this is not a time for false humility or real humility. Either kind. <laughs> Either <of those. laughs> this is a time yeah. for pride. <laughs> yeah. I I had I have worried about coming across braggy in these cir- circumstances before and several years ago I went into my manager and I I basically scheduled time on his calendar and I said, look, I want to spend some time with you and talk about the performance review. I want to make sure that my expectations match your expectations. And I want to tell you what, you know, what I'm expecting. And I prefaced the whole conversation by saying, look, I don't spend my time comparing myself to others. I don't think about how great I am all the time. This, but just for this one small period of time, I'm just going to lay out the case to help you understand where I'm coming from here. And I kind of preface it with that. And that helped me feel like I wasn't bragging. And then I laid into the case, you know, all the things I had accomplished that year and the things that I felt made me worth paying more. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I'll be clear, I'm being very hypocritical. I I am horrible about this. I have a really hard time talking up positive things that I do. And I think there's some negative consequences to that. And one of those is that talking yourself up also looks a lot like presenting evidence about why you're valuable. So Hmm. uh, I think it's, yeah. You, you got to focus on that. It's not bragging at all. You See, you need to hire me as an agent to go into your manager and tell them why you deserve a raise. I, I was actually thinking about that when you were talking. I think it'd be interesting to say uh, kind of a, another angle on the conversation you mentioned where you could say, I, I don't keep track of how awesome I am. And I have a hard time summarizing that and, and bringing it up to other people. Can you help me talk about some of the accomplishments and what, what you perceive are, are things that I've contributed that are valuable? Or you could say, I don't, I'm not very good at talking about how good I am. and I don't keep track of it. But Dave does. And I'd like to turn the time over to him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to go to a different person. I can just become podcast Jameson <laughs> and just do the things I tell other people to do instead pull, of what I actually just do. Just pull up a microphone <laughs> so you feel in character. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I I mean, my meetings would be over a microphone anyways, because I'm all remote. <laughs> That's true. So That's all perfect. I, I am literally sitting where I have all my meetings. Well, great. I think you're, okay. re- I think you're ready to go. I am ready. <laughs> Leaving a bad impression when I'm on such a role. I don't think it'll leave a bad impression. No. No. Remember, right now your employer is getting a bargain because you're performing higher than the level at which they hired you, but they're still paying you at that same level. So it's time for you to cash in. Yeah. Good luck. You're in a good situation. Absolutely. Good luck and definitely do it. And I would go in with concrete numbers about what you want uh, because that will definitely influence the comp adjustment discussions that your manager will be having over the next few months. And if and like we said earlier, if you wait for this conversation until the time when you sit down with your manager for the performance review, it's way too late. And now you might have to wait another 12 months if you do that. Yeah. All right. Have we answered the question? Yep. Good luck. Do you want to read our next one? You bet. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I don't feel like I can keep up at work. Teeth gritting emoji. Is that the right one? (laughs) Grimacing. Grimacing, but showing teeth emoji. Okay. My team is super clever, young, and all singles. They spend weekends, evenings, and spare time learning. We are introducing a new tool or framework every couple of weeks, and it is exhausting. I am constantly learning a lot from them, and the projects always go really well. Is that a wizard emoji? No, no, that's a shrug. Oh, sorry. I like. I guess my font's not zoomed in. <laughs> okay. This is. I feel like this is reflecting a generational gap. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I can see it better now that I've zoomed in. Now that I got my bifocals okay. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. The projects always go really well. Shrug emoji. I'm not sure how to have a good conversation about it as they all love the learning culture. Any tips? 
sabotage the projects. <laughs> okay, yeah, there are a couple angles of attack. Sabotage the projects so they have this inherent pain with new things. Yeah, okay. You could play the matchmaker. They're all single. <laughs> get, get them all in relationships. Help them start families. Yeah. <laughs> Kids cut in pretty heavily to your weekend and evening staring at computer time. Yes. <laughs> They're great. Also, they make it harder to learn programming things. Yes. On the weekends. <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything else. <laughs> uh, well, what about... Oh, man, I don't even want to joke about this, but... <laughs> the opposite of what you suggested is abandon your own family. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, become uh, single. Got it. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't you have know, any children just... anymore, but I'm really good with rust. <laughs> I did have a family, but then, yeah, I just I just felt like I had trouble keeping up with the JavaScript landscape. <laughs> I learned seven frameworks this year. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. I really didn't want to say that, but... Grimace emoji. Grimace emoji. <laughs> so I have been the person introducing new tools or frameworks. I assume every couple of weeks is hyperbole. That seems like a lot. But I have been the person who loves being on the cutting edge. And I'm surprised to hear that the projects always go really well. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was not my experience from trying every new library or paradigm that comes out. Yeah. Uh, generally, we would try it and really like it and feel very cool and very smug and self-assured about how much smarter we were than the people using the old, two years old thing. And then two years from then, we'd be like, huh, it turns out there are a bunch of problems with this new thing that no one knew about when we adopted it. And there'd be these layers of sediment of, yeah. of old abandoned paradigms. <laughs> and then we try the next new thing and add um, another I layer. Sure learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel bad for all the people that have to maintain that code base now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm surprised there's not some pain associated with this. Uh, I mean, even if it's just uh, the pain of being a polyglot organization where you have to figure out how to debug or do logging in every new, language or mm -hmm. framework or it's just general like cross-cutting concerns that you have to solve in a new way if you switch tech every every couple weeks <laughs> logging well who would bother with that i'm too busy learning yeah. a new framework yeah we just don't have any bugs and then we never need to log anything that's a really good point if you don't write bugs like if you choose not to write bugs then there's a whole bunch of stuff you don't need i was reading this really fascinating uh post-mortem on the development of Microsoft Word in the 80s. It's this PDF that came out of the lawsuit against Microsoft. So it, it, they got deposed and had to produce it. Mm -hmm. And it's this project manager basically saying like, we worked at a, our, our working philosophy was called the infinite defect philosophy, where we just <laughs> crank stuff out as fast as possible because we don't count bugs towards our productivity metrics. Okay. And then that's why it took five years to build this project. And we always thought we were six months away from building it. <laughs> But their solution was to switch to the zero defects philosophy where they just didn't write any bugs. Or didn't ship any bugs. Wait, or didn't ship anything? <laughs> it's unclear to me. I have to read it again. Okay. But I just like that idea of like, check out my brand new programming paradigm, no bugs driven development. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's called do it perfect the first time, always be right know everything it's very simple measure twice cut once yeah like this is a well-known paradigm 
if we tie it to agile then we can really make some money <laughs> i'm a no bugs driven development coach <laughs> with really reasonable rates yeah and if you have any bugs it's clear you failed to implement my methodology yeah. <laughs> You're just not doing it right. <laughs> well, you're doing it wrong. The methodology is you have no bugs. That's right. So clearly. And I see some bugs in this code. So, <laughs> See that? That's a bug. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> but I think my meta point is there is pain associated with moving this quickly and adopting new things this quickly. And if they're not feeling the pain yet, like it is there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there and it's growing and it will become apparent soon. When Maybe when they are no longer young, maybe still single, <laughs> but, but just... Old and single, grizzled. Old and buried in complexity. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a pretty big part of engineering maturity is understanding the trade-offs of adopting new things and how to smartly evaluate and choose new technology responsibly. And it seems like that's kind of lacking. So the, the pain point you're experiencing is like, I just can't keep up with all these new things. But I would argue there's a larger business pain point of soon everything will come crashing down <laughs> because no one can keep up with all these new things. Yeah. Now, it could be that the uh, type of customer or environment that they're working with here is that it's like they get to spin up new projects from scratch all the time and then ship oh, yeah, them like and walk away. yeah, like an agency or something. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, that would yeah. be a pretty conducive environment to trying out new things. Yeah, and that's good for a brand, too. It's cool to be the agency that's an expert on all these hot new things. Yeah, like you name it, we've built something in it. Yeah, yeah, and we can, we can be one of the two people that know how to use this thing. Right. I, and so I kind of want to like, let's let's just assume that this statement is right, that the projects go really well. How would you advise this person to survive or even thrive in this kind of environment where everyone's running a million miles an hour? I think there's a couple things. One is you could make it clear or help establish some idea of, of training or onboarding or what it looks like to adopt a new technology. And it's one thing to be the person that goes off and researches it, and you just kind of learn it by default by using the thing. But that doesn't help new people spin up onto it. So if you can share that that cost of coming up to speed on a thing, like maybe you have to have, I don't know, a, a doc that explains how to learn the thing. It doesn't have to explain everything about it because there are presumably other docs out there. But there's there's some additional cost that the person who's just like nights and weekends Googling stuff to figure out how it works is not paying for other people. And they have to pay the cost of keeping up with the, all these technology decisions that the nights and weekends person makes. So if you share that load a little bit, that might help out a little bit. It might help you come up to speed faster. It might help rein in the new stuff. And if there's this culture of learning, explaining stuff to other people is a great way to learn. Yeah. The other thing is there's... I feel like output in programming is is non-linear to the amount of time and effort you put into it. Meaning it's sublinear, where you put in twice the effort and get marginally ten, you know, more output. Yeah, I think there's like there's this idea of they're working so many hours. How do I keep up with these people who are working tons of hours? And I feel like being more efficient with your time and sitting mm. and thinking more might be a way to keep up or contribute value in a different way that doesn't require you to work extra hours. I see. Like if you are the person that thinks deeply about architecture and does it all in your 40 hours a week at, at work, I think you can still contribute just as much, if not more, than people who are reading Hacker News and then reading GitHub repos all day yeah. for 80 hours a week. Yeah, it sounds like there's probably some gaps in this organization of people who move slow, but make really good long-term plans, maybe people who do good documentation, 
you know, people who communicate with management really effectively. Maybe that's your place here um, rather yeah. than being the kid who runs 100 miles an hour on the weekends. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think you're right. And there's a lot of ways to be smart and good at your job and not all of them look like these people that you've described. You can mm -hmm. still be an awesome person who contributes really well at work and be more measured. And, and I think you, you'd kind of be a balance in this situation against this because I've, I've both been this kid and I've worked at a company where everyone was this kid and like, <laughs> we needed some balance. Yeah. We would have been better off if we there needed was you. to say like, yeah, hey, maybe we should write down what we're doing and why. Like, we don't have time. <laughs> In the time we, we would take to write it down, it would have changed. Yeah. <laughs> There's no time to write it down. We can't sit and think for an hour. We've got 20 <laughs> hours of programming to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what if, okay, I got another idea. What if you start posting fake think pieces about non-existent frameworks that turn into wild goose chases for the rest of your team? And while they're okay, out, yeah. you can, they're out yeah. chasing these things, you can be building stuff. So that's, that's it's kind of a companion to sabotage, yeah. sabotage the projects, but instead of that, you need to seed the internet with ideas that look good, but are actually bad. Yeah. That's the internet, though, already. Yeah. <laughs> True. Your work is done. <laughs> I think all you have to do is pick a thing and then, yeah, read the marketing copy and use it and then find out, oh, Kubernetes is a lot of work. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So that, yeah, that's coming. You get that for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, did we more or less answer this question? I think so. I think you can be valuable and, and you can show people your value. I feel like I get underlying the question. I get a feeling of like, am I doing a good job or am I, am I, yeah, am I contributing if I'm not like these people and becoming like them is not an option. Yeah. And I think the answer is yes, you can contribute enormously in lots of different ways besides just running as fast as you can towards new technologies. Also, this is the kind of problem that patience might just solve on its own because it's unsustainable. These people will not be able to do this for the next five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unless they have like a steady stream of new hires who are replacing them and carrying the torch, doing the same thing, it's unlikely they'll be doing this. So, you know, it's the kind of problem that solves itself over time. I, I feel like this is the career arc for many talented junior engineers or developers. Yeah. Where... They are super excited about the field. They're very new to it and they just devour everything. And so new technologies in some way are almost easier to pick up because they don't have the cognitive overhead in some cases of like yeah. fitting it into all this existing knowledge that they say that they have. And yeah. and it's less it's it's like how it's easier for little kids to learn languages, foreign languages. Like you're coming to it from scratch and it's just it's just there. It's it's how it is. It's not having to learn a brand new thing. Whereas um, adults are a lot slower because they're a lot more used to how their current language works. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've experienced this. Looking back, I feel like it was actually a lot easier in some ways for me to learn new frameworks or, or tools because it was just like learning how to program, not like... The Angular oh. way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. When, Although on the other hand, I think as I've gotten older, picking up new frameworks, patterns, libraries, etc., does get easier in some ways because I can recognize underlying patterns. It's not like this whole new field. I can say, oh, that's dependency injection. I know that. I know what that is yeah. on principle. It's yeah. easier in a different way, though. 
but I, I sometimes get sucked into like comparing it too much to stuff I already know. Whereas if I didn't know anything to compare it to, it just, it just be how it is. Yeah. It kind of becomes like an N squared problem. Like every new thing you learn, you have to spend N units of time comparing it to the N things you already know. (laughs) Yeah. But but I think my point is that feels like a familiar career arc where Oh yeah. You you pick sure. up all the new stuff when everything is new and then you kind of settle in a little bit and start providing value in other ways. And it is exhausting. I mean, that's a key word here in the question. It's tiring enough that you just don't do it that much after time. You know, you say, well, ugh, another one. <laughs> it's like, I just want to be productive and ship stuff. Yeah. I, I remember feeling very tangibly the shift from when I thought I could learn everything new that was coming out, even in a specific subfield to like just saying, I will never know about this thing unless I like pick up a project that uses it. And that's fine. I'll just let it pass me by and learn this other thing. All right. Yeah. Question answered. Question answered. Good luck. Where can people go if they would like to ask their own question? They can go to softskills.audio and click the ask us a question button. We read them all and we answer all of them eventually. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we have not stopped doing the show yet, so we can still answer all of them. Yep. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you like the show, please share it with people and we will catch you next week.